Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Today's guest on the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast is Travis Nelson. Uh, Travis is a comedian based in Seattle. He's six feet, nine inches tall. We talked about his height a little bit at the beginning. You can find him on Twitter, Instagram, wherever at Travis is joking. He's a very funny guy. He has a dry bar special coming out. Uh, his website's probably travisisjoking.com. Please uh, check him out and check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com slash calendar. Uh, the big, the uh, the ones that are the most important to me, which is to say they are door deals, are on May 1st, I will be at the Chalet Theater in Enumclaw with Gabriel Rutledge. And on J- uh, June 4th and 5th, I will be at Honey Social Club in, uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Calling it a social club makes it sound like it's a swingers club. I don't think it's a swingers club. Uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Acacia McLean. I'm so fucking bad at podcast intros. Uh, thank you for listening to the, the, to the podcast. Please enjoy Travis Nelson. And uh, all right, I fucking suck at this. Okay, I am. Uh, I'm recording. Do you want to um, make some sort of clapping noise? Or something so you can sync oh, it up sure. perfectly. I, fe- I found a couple. This is this is going on the podcast, and I don't care because they, they get plenty of boring stuff besides this, so I don't feel bad. I found uh, after like years using Adobe Audition and Adobe Pro- Premiere and manually syncing tracks, I found out that both of those have an automatic syncing function. Amazing. I know I'm. I'm gonna save myself fucking hours of time in the future. I'd be a millionaire, I think, if I knew that before. Um, yeah, no, it's it's incredible uh, how much amazing technology there is out there, and how hard it is to find and understand. <laughs> and then the the second you find it out, you're like, oh, I've wasted my entire life uh, not knowing this technology existed. Oh, it's devastating. Or even just like I'm really bad about. I I will personally figure out how to edit stuff like i made my own website and just like i oh, yeah. put the time in to learn how to do all these things and then i run into other comics and they're like no i just i paid a buddy 100 bucks to do it for me and that or even worse like- even worse <laughs> i learned like some php coding and wordpress and uh now you can make a better looking website pretty easily with like wix or squarespace by yeah. just dragging and dropping shit and i'm like i wasted I can't tell you how many hours like trying to get a certain amount of spacing in the margins of something. And now mm-hmm. you just like, you know, whatever. And now nobody gives a shit about your website anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah that... really, it doesn't matter. Like social media has completely usurped the point of having a website 
but we mm-hmm. still have you still like that's the annoying thing about technology is nothing ever gets taken away well, things only <laughs> yeah, get added true. right yeah yeah. yeah you had facebook then you got twitter you got instagram you got snapchat gotta have a website gotta have a youtube now you gotta have you know a discord you gotta have a twitch you gotta have a a TikTok. it's exhausting i mean yeah and I mean, I saw recently you have more Twitter followers than me, which really bothered me, if I'm honest. How did you do that? What's sneaky? How did you? That wasn't honest how you did it. How did you do it? I, you know, they're all, it's a, it's a Russian bot farm. Um, no, I, I used, uh, uh, you know, Jesse Warren? Mm-hmm. He showed me this thing, basically. It's the same bullshit exploiting thing that people do, where it's like you find people that like comedy and you follow them and then unfollow them. Um, I stopped doing it at a point because it's like, first off, like, I think I've lost like since this is a this is a funny admission, but since Trump uh, lost the election, I've lost like a hundred something followers, and I don't know if it's people leaving Twitter or specifically disliking what I'm putting on Twitter because I basically don't tweet about politics at all anymore. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, maybe they liked your politics and now they're you know, they're not getting it. Yeah, I was like deeply far right, and uh, they just—they're uh, not getting their dose of um, alt right Casey anymore, and it's upsetting for them. Uh, yeah, I don't—I don't. I, don't yeah. I think I think I—I I have a thing that shows me how many people, um, like have unfollowed me, and it also shows if people deleted their accounts, and I always take deleted their accounts to mean they blocked me. Oh uh, yeah. Because that's how it shows. If someone blocks you on there, it shows as them deleting their account. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, I mean, there's a lot that have. I, I like uh, to know what exactly did it. That's what, sometimes I can figure out based on who it is and what's like, you know, if they what they have in their profile, exactly the tweet that made them unfollow me. What's funny is I don't even like, I've never unfollowed or blocked anyone um, for harassment or anything like that, but I have muted and or blocked a lot of comedians that i just don't think are funny on twitter like some some there's there's some comics and these are Seattle that, by the comics. way this is this is by the way you just found out i have more more uh twitter followers than you means that i've been muted for months if not years no i just never looked at your uh profile <laughs> I, never oh, yeah, cared sure. to. I saw you in the feed though man I, yeah I, I see your yeah, stuff of course, you're funny of on twitter because you uh you're you're very like button pushing-y, uh, which I think everyone hates, which makes sense because this is the podcast is called Everyone Hates Casey, right? It's so uh, nobody like likes. Yeah. Is that something you stumbled into, or you just found that people disliked you in general? Um, or were you just trying to like hack the whole like everybody loves Raymond, everybody hates Chris? Yeah, that was. I mean, Casey. that's kind of like it couldn't be one of those. It couldn't be everybody hates. That's how I get. Anytime anyone like mentions it on stage, they always say everyone hates Casey McLean. Because uh, I, I think that's their own, their own personal feelings coming in. That, I mean, that's how I feel. Uh, I think it, so. This is the deal: is I've had a, I've done a whole bunch of podcasts. I've I counted it. I've done eleven different podcasts that have stopped, and I just can't like co-hosts. I just can't. We can't keep schedules. Is some of the case. Sometimes we stop being friends permanently. Uh, you think that's it's another, you or them? I'm by the name of this podcast. I'm giving myself a lot of credit. For, for for blowing these podcasts up. Well, Casey, uh, I've been doing this for what is it, eighteen minutes now, and I am, dude, I am finished. <laughs> As friends, I don't know how we can go on being friends after this. This is I my know. camera fell down. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was that I've I've specifically set up a series of booby traps in your media room there to uh, mm-hmm. 
to make it difficult for you. I, 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 I think, thought you were kidding until you said media room, and I'm like, damn, Casey broke into my multi-million dollar house. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> I do. I find that I find nothing all compelling where it's like specifically on one side. I do like to just find the like very annoying middle uh, middle ground of a topic, which is actually I think if you if you were to like find what I find compelling on stage, that's how I feel. Also, is like to I don't want the crowd to know what my politics are when I leave the stage. Yeah, uh, I don't feel that way anymore. I think I used to feel that way, and now I just think that, like, I don't know, man. I've just, I've lived too long not to think that, you know, if I'm, you know, you're going to get my opinion, and I'm not going to, like, try to force it on you or anything, right. but, like, I don't, I don't shy away from saying my opinions on mm -hmm. stage or, like, how I feel because... Uh, I'll only say, I will say, I only say that kind of stuff if I've like thought about it and I can like back myself up. And those are the only subjects where I feel comfortable, uh, sure. putting stuff out there. Um, because you know, if there is some kind of like heckle argument, something going on, I, I know I can just quickly squash it. So I'm not, but you, you do that thing where you just pick subjective nonsense things that don't matter. And then you'll just be like. This kind of apple is dog shit. And then I'll be on Twitter like, well, fuck you, Casey. I happen to like that. And I have a reason for liking that. I do and I feel like if, it, if you're eating anything but Honeycrisp, you're a piece of shit and I don't want to talk to you. Honeycrisp is the number one apple in the world. No, That's you're classist. wrong. It, su it sucks to be wrong. It sucks to it's be wrong. Classist. I, uh, have you ever had an envy apple? Yeah, garbage in comparison to a... I've had every kind of apple, Travis. I've lived in Washington State my whole life. I eat nothing but goddamn apples. And I'm telling you, Honeycrisp is the top. Best texture, best taste, best combination of tart and sweet. It's also, by the way, the highest success rate apple I've ever known in my life. Even like a little bit overripe. I've thought about this a lot, Travis. You think that you're the only one who has opinions that are well thought out. I think about apples all the time. See, you say that, but like I'm pitying you, Casey. I don't know if you see it in my eyes, but I, I see you as a, a sad, I think it's admiration. Who, you can't who holds I mean, these watch strong the YouTube, beliefs, everybody. but you have nothing behind it. It's all bullshit. Oh, honey crisp. Yeah, they're the biggest, sweetest apple, but there's plenty of reasons to try other apples, Casey. You've got to widen your horizons hey. and stop picking like a number one for everything and deciding everything else is trash. I mean, that's it's a bad habit of yours, my friend. I think, uh, I think, listen, you're allowed to try anything you want. I don't want to stop people from trying things, but if the conclusion you reach is anything other than Honeycrisp is the best apple, you just, I can't respect you as a human being. I think you, I just think you deserve less rights is all I'm saying. Okay. Has anyone ever told you that you're like the west side of Washington to the east side of Washington's Ryan McComb? Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah. I, Ryan McComb and I have, I, I almost kissed him on the lips last week. Yeah. Uh, to explain <laughs> that to me, because I didn't think that Ryan McComb was remarkable enough to have like, re like replicable traits. Oh, well, I think you're saying more about yourself than uh, you mean to. But um, no, I, I I just mean like when I travel, I one thing I like to do in different comedy cities is I like to pick out comedians that I I, I see mirrored in other scenes. And oh, you and Ryan McComb is more of like just on Twitter, really. Uh, you guys just both strike me as uh, <laughs> Ryan. Like I always want to engage with him, but I know I'm just going to argue with him, so I just leave it. <laughs> um, and you, I will leave a, a shitty comment and just, you know, you're wrong <laughs> every once in a while. But uh, <laughs> uh, 
No, we, I, you, I, I, you won't be surprised I have a lot of fun doing that. that. It's weird, like especially bigger scenes like Chicago and stuff like that. You'll go and you'll find a comic that thinks they're completely unique. They're the only one doing the thing that they're doing. Uh, but you'll just know there's a guy back home doing the exact same thing. Um, well, I don't know if you're intentionally leading into this, but when I was in Oklahoma City, which we we messaged about this, but I met mm-hmm. a guy. I sit down at the uh, Gamers Bar at Bricktown Comedy Club, and I meet this guy. I didn't even realize he was tall at this point, right? Because we were sitting on bar stools. Like, we're essentially the same height. He's a little bit taller than me, I'm sure, but I'm a little bit drunk. So we're talking, and I'm like, this fucking guy reminds me so much of Travis Nelson. It's, I don't, like... I like you, but I don't think I want two of you. Do you know what I what? mean? Yeah, that's that's what well, I'm too saying. Bad, I'm like, you're gonna get an army of me when I'm done cloning. <laughs> so, anyways, we talk for like 35 minutes. He's performing at the uh, the is it the Looney Bin in uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City, and then he's like, "Hey, do you know uh, Travis Nelson?" And I was like, "I'm literally like about to text you and ask if you know this guy," and then he goes. Uh, and then he's like, "Yeah, we were in the World Series of Comedy together. Paul Conyers is his name, and he's six foot seven. Great dude, and has your exact personality, voice. Uh, you're he's I I, you think he's great. He's gonna stop your career because he's he's gonna just be in the place that you want to be as the tall white guy. Yeah, you know how many times uh, people say that to me, and this again is like an inexperienced thing on your point. Is like, <laughs> oh." You think you think there's not like I know every single tall comic there is in the country because everywhere I go people will be like have you heard of this guy he is also well, a you know, tall I comedian I'm telling you I didn't know he was tall he could have been five three and he had the, your same personality it blew my mind mm. when he said your name when he I, when he said your name I was like I almost fell off the bar stool well you keep saying we have the same personality and w- when I when I uh, I spent a week with him at the World Series of Comedy and I found him to be very unique and interesting and it really saddens me that. Uh, he completely stole my identity from me. I didn't realize he would he would go and do that. I'll have to talk to him. He's about a shapeshifter. That. He's a shapeshifter. Yeah. yeah, you're not allowed to. I mean, he must have seen what I was doing and realized, like as a tall guy, that's the way to be the tall comedian. Is you gotta just gotta hate when that happens. Yeah, that's. Uh, I assume that you by saying that obviously you won the World Series of Comedy, uh, yeah, not I'm Paul Conyers. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I'll have to double check, but I'm pretty sure I won. <laughs> I mean, I definitely beat Paul, if that's what you're saying. <laughs> I'll put that in his face. I'll put that. I don't mind. I, I thought he Paul. was the champ. I thought he was the 2020 champ. Or did you beat him a previous year? Yeah, I didn't do it 2020. That is the one thing I'll say. All these guys were doing the World Series of Comedy like during COVID, and they were like still doing shows and toasting pictures with them up with masks off, like hugging each other and licking each other's faces. And I'm just like, man, the World Series of Comedy... Um, it's good uh, for certain things, but like you don't need to do it twice. Um, like winning the World Series of Comedy, I and I get I get in trouble. Uh, I get in trouble with this. Ooh, I have to plug my laptop in one second. Oh my uh, god, the technical difficulties we've had on this so far just I know amazing because I spend uh, all my time honing, honing my craft instead of uh, and just still didn't win the World Series of Comedy. Hey, I didn't say that. Paul, Paul, weirdly, I think he won it like last year. No, I did it. Um, I want to say like 2018, 2019. Gotcha. Um, and I made it to like I don't know, the top eight or whatever. The, the rounds were kind of confusing, but um, yeah, I performed against like seven other guys, and then three other guys made it to like the very final round or whatever. Um, but uh, 
No, the World Series of Comedy, and like most comedy festivals, and like there's a, a misunderstanding in the comedy world, I think, and it causes a lot of people to be like, oh, I got ripped off, don't do this thing, they're just trying to take your money, and it's like, well, if you need connections, it's really good to go doing those things, because you're just going to run into everyone who's doing things at the level that you're doing things, but... right. Um, you know, for the most part, even like Seattle International Comedy Competition, like if you win that, it's like, okay, uh, you know, it, it it's not like industry is going to take note of that unless you already have millions of followers and have an established career. You know what I mean? It's just kind of more of like a feather in your cap and a way to a way to network. But uh, yeah. it's still pretty cool that Paul won. I don't know if they did it virtually or if he did it in person. Um, oh, no, I think it was in person, baby, because I, I know another comic that was in it. I have another, There's another comic that I know who has devoted a lot of time to the World Series of Comedy. And uh, I'm like... Which one is that? To, I'll say, I'll tell you. I'll, let me send it in the message so that he doesn't have Coward. to be embarrassed. I think Coward. there's a... <laughs> he's he's going to know who he is, by the way. It's not a, It's not shielding... Um, oh, it's not sending it on here. I'll send it to you in a uh, Facebook messenger like a pussy. Okay. Come on. Um, oh, I'm too stupid for this too. <sighs> here we go. It's good podcasting, by the way. Um, huh. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, big, big time, big time. I'm trying to, I keep trying to talk about of uh, continuing to, because it's like also pretty time consuming, I think. the Yeah, so that's I, the one thing I, I didn't understand was like, I actually, uh, we did a roast and I was ripping on one of the guys, because when I did it, there was a guy who would do every single one of the satellites. So the way the World oh, Series no. of Comedy works, for anyone who doesn't know, is it's basically like the World Series of Poker, which I also don't know how that works, but I know how the World Series of Comedy <laughs> works and I understand they're similar. Uh, so they just go around the country and half of it is they just make money by working these comedy club weekends and basically booking all these comics to come in for free and like compete to see who right. won that weekend. So it's, I mean, it's a really good idea. Uh, and then they get everybody's information, um, and just aggregate it. And then they, they do the, you know, the main show. Unfortunately, when I did it, it was like in the middle of nowhere in Indiana. Um, yeah. Lawrence, Indiana is where the world series of comedy was the year I did it. Um, which was troubling in terms of like audience and some things but uh anyways uh i forgot what i was talking about the satellites you were talking about uh dude doing every satellite and how it's time consuming i believe oh man yeah this guy did like every single satellite and i kept i was intimidated because i kept seeing that he was winning all like these first rounds but the way it works is like first round is like five minutes second round is like 12 minutes third round is like 30 minutes and this guy was nailing the first and second round, and then I saw he never won the final round, and I couldn't figure out, like, what happened. And then I went and did one, and he was there, and he had just, like, a killer seven, 5 to 7, a killer 12 to 15. But mm -hmm. past that, he had zero jokes. So he would just straight up start improv once he oh, ran no. out of jokes, and it was so like unfathomably bad like his takes because you know these aren't thought out takes he's just trying to yeah. come up with stuff so he'd be like maybe they wouldn't be pedophiles if kids weren't so attractive and everyone's like what did you say do you want a moment to take that back <laughs> and, and uh oh man it was different every single time and I, I made fun of him when we did the roast and i was like yeah you know congratulations on all your uh trophies that you wanted all these satellites across the country. The rest of us were busy working, but I'm glad you had the time and money to go do that. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's... Well, so I, I did this thing. 
I did. I've done a couple contests. I did. I made this decision for myself, by the way, that I'm only going to do contests that I care about winning, because uh, I will eventually care about losing. Do you know what I mean? Any contest I do, even if I didn't care about it going in, I will care that I didn't win. Uh, I will in in inevitably I will be upset that I didn't win. So mm-hmm. I at least want the payoff if I do win to be like worth something. So I did the Seattle International Comedy Competition. I did another one. And I always, like, my goal going in is always to, like, do never repeat material, even though the audiences a lot of times are very different, right? So I yeah. did that. I got I, I took third place in this contest that was, like, I think 45 comics or something like that um, doing that. I was pretty proud of that. Where was that? That was at Tacoma Comedy Club, that comedy voice oh. thing. Uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I hosted that for, like, one Yeah, I, I think I don't think it was the one that you hosted i think it was the next one because the one that oh, you that hosted i lost just... <laughs> i had a good set i had a I, you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna i had a very very good set at like three minutes and the mm-hmm. guy that i went against had literally the set of his life jay Sierri, he's made a bunch of art for me i don't feel bad mentioning his name he doesn't do comedy he's made anymore. a bunch of art for me too yeah he's great uh and i think he's like he has like a special talent as a writer he had the best set of his entire fucking life and I had like I think a comparably good set, and he got picked. And uh, literally, my mom was in the audience, Amazing. and Andrew Rivers, future uh, podcast guest, Andrew Rivers was the person that cut me. She will she won't forgive Andrew Rivers for uh, picking JC Airy over me to advance in the uh, in the competition. And I, by well, the way, I, did I a hundred percent condone anyone picking a reason never to forgive Andrew Rivers? Hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> that was the worst part about that for me was he was one of the judges and I was hosting and he kept like, first of all, and Andrew, uh, I'll say this to his face. He's not funny off the cuff. Like all of his funniness <laughs> takes a lot of preparation and work and like improv off the cuff, dude, this, he just, he didn't have it. And, uh, you know, and, and I think everyone who was there. And so I, it, he kept trying to like zing me like that was his way. He would try to zing me. But I'm like, dude, no, you do not. And I would just, it just turned into him and me having these like spatted matches, like at the very beginning of every show. And it became it was like an thing, awkward no Thanksgiving one, argument. Yeah. No one liked it. It was just me and him <laughs> butting heads. It just, he talked to me after that. He was like, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of funny how we've developed this, this, you know, fake on stage. And I'm like, oh, this is real, Andrew. <laughs> I am authentic in everything I do. So I tried to do the same thing in the Seattle International Comedy Competition, but then I just didn't make it past the first round. So I got to just, uh, I ended up the last night, I just did like, I so I was two months or something removed from having our daughter. So I hadn't had like a lot of open mic time. So I did like eight minutes or whatever the time is of just like very, very new material. And it was the best I placed the whole week. I was so fucking mad. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um how so you have been on stage though right because i know that at one point you you went like kind of viral among comics early in the you posted a oh, screenshot yeah, of a conversation and then <laughs> you posted it yeah then you posted it again <laughs> cropped by the way because i remember the first one showed like at least a profile picture if not a if not a the person's name on yeah Facebook. i totally i totally had to cuz i wasn't trying to like bury anybody or anything like that i was just right. trying to I don't know. But so someone tried to book mad. you on an on an illegal show. 
And uh, yeah, you... and that's so like me to get upset with people for trying to book me. By the way, uh, <laughs> how how dare you? How dare you? Uh, no, but it was you know it, it was tough because as a comic you're trying to figure it all out. But I I did have multiple people hitting me up, just kind of you know, hey, we're doing a secret underground show, and you know it's it's in secret, and no one will have to wear masks and blah blah blah. But they were you know they would try to say, oh, we're gonna follow protocol, but it's like, well, you're already not following protocol, right? by doing this you know show and yeah you know it's i know some comics did that thing and i'm not trying to like pass blame but to me in that moment it was very upsetting because you know it was my whole career that it just crashed and burned because of mm -hmm. a, you know a global pandemic and i just felt like you know it, the smart thing was to stay home and wait for you know it to get things to get better instead of going out and doing these shows and you know i just figured it was gonna take longer and longer for me to be able to get back and have a career um because, yeah, that's that's the frustrating thing is, like, it was my career, so all of these comics yeah. who do it, like, it's a hobby or for fun, they're doing these underground shows. And it's like, yeah, because it was always like this for you. There's no there's no pressure. There's no, it doesn't matter uh, right. to you because you were never doing it. It was never, like, you know, your income that mattered yeah. to you, right? I did, uh, I almost, I didn't, for no moral reason, I just got a, I had, like, a little bit of a cold the day I was going to do an illegal show, and I... Uh, bowed out uh, like a responsible citizen other than that though this is what's frustrated me and i and i'm i'd be interested to hear your take on this because we've we so we come from a a place you and i uh you are from not exactly as liberal a place as i am from because you're from a different part of washington state but right. uh where are but you from again I, I like tacoma basically okay yeah. um I'm from Fife, Washington, actually, but it's basically Tacoma. Anyways, out out on the coast, you're from out on the coast, and it gets a little bit a little more purple out there, I would say. Uh, anyways, the, the Washington State specifically is a very unique place. I was in Oklahoma City a couple weeks ago, and I was wearing my mask everywhere, and I think people were specifically they were as offended as we would be here that someone's wearing a mask that we would be if someone wasn't wearing a mask. So things are very different all over the place. Uh, we are very much like politically in a little bit of like an echo chamber here also. And so what happened was there was a point when people were like, well, the law is you can't do live shows. So you shouldn't be doing live shows. And I did, you know, like you could do, I did like, you could do live performances for people of the same household. So I did like some backyard shows. They were fucking awesome by the way. But it, yeah, like the nothing... backyard shows seem cool. Yeah, they were really cool. Uh, I did, um, yeah, like a couple outdoor shows throughout the summer. They were fantastic. I never did like an illegal performance, uh, except for though I was gonna do one. I'm not making putting myself on a moral high ground. I was gonna do one and I didn't do it, but I was extremely careful for 12 months, and then our governor made it legal. This place where we've been more restricted than anyone else, basically especially related to live performance and a whole bunch of people are like well now that guy does now this guy that we've been saying is the is the supreme ruler of all this he's wrong also you still comedians are like comedians in our scene don't want other comedians performing even though it's legal even though like in my case i sacrificed 12 months like everyone else did right like you like you did like so because I'm I'm not going to wait another month and a half when it's legal. There's like people getting blacklisted and stuff in our uh in our comedy scene. Are you oh, aware really? of this? 
No. I dude, I I don't pay attention to anything in this scene and I truly feel that like the longer I'm here the less this scene is for me. I mean, if the Comedy Underground closed, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's the, my my options are increasingly limited in terms of like I guess I could go do like bar open mics and stuff, but you know what I mean where it's like mm -hmm. over time it's like what am I even doing here anymore? Um but yeah, people are getting blacklisted. I wonder if I'm blacklisted. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of the deal is, for me, the people that I'm fully aware are doing it, like, have never and would never book me anyway. So, oh, yeah. I'm like... Yeah, there's always that, because people get mad because you work somewhere that they don't work, and so they, they ban you from doing their shows that you never did, and it's like, I feel like you guys are just bored. I don't think... Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean... It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything. Um, are you... So, was your question how I felt about... Yeah, I mean, are you doing live shows now? I know you did a couple. I think you did some private shows, right? Not to out you if you're trying to keep on the. If no, you're trying no, no. to go I mean, earn, I, I was. Uh, yeah, I seven dollars really on a drink like, ticket. I didn't promote uh, a lot of the shows I did um, because I honestly it just didn't feel like. I mean, first of all, there was always limited capacity, so they're all almost. Right. Um, you know, it was pretty. People wanted to get into the show, so it wasn't something I had to promote. I did uh, Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in Vegas oh, nice. at the MGM, which I I was I was iffy on that one because um, I had to travel there and do the whole thing. But I've been trying to get into that club, and you know it's the MGM, so they're follow they were following all the protocols and everything. Um, so yeah, I was I was stressed out the whole time, but I went and did it, sure. and uh, I did. Um, I've done that's kind of what I was doing was I was doing like one club week in a month. Um, whatever that you know whatever that meant uh but i wasn't i wasn't like actively seeking gigs or anything um and i don't know i just think it's common sense i think people were getting stressed out because it's confusing and they don't understand the rules or what's happening and there's a lot of that uh i take for granted because i have a degree in biochemistry so uh mm -hmm. to an extent i think I just I'm more comfortable like thinking about the idea of like okay a pandemic these germs are out there you know, realistically what that means and where to find like better information on it. So to me, like what the governor's saying is kind of like, I don't know, people get too, too worked up on like the nuance of like, Oh, I'm six feet away. It can't be six feet. It's like, dude, no one cares. Those are just the guidelines, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not, I don't know. People got like a real, uh, had a lot of fun with like not following the guidelines. Oh, look at me. And it's like, you're only going to infect yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, in others, I guess, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I never really worried about it too much. Cause it was just one of those things where it's like, does it matter? Like things are going to open up when they open up. Um, yeah. well, yeah, that's the, know. I think, so I'm a, I'm a, like my day job and professional expertise is like data science-ish. Uh, oh, you, got a, you have a day job? <laughs> yes, I do. Did you not know that about me? That would have, no, I guess I didn't. I thought you were a stay at home dad. Oh fuck. I wish dude. I wish. No, I'm uh yeah, like I've I uh have never I've worked full time at a day job since I was 18. Never had a lapse in employment until April of 2020 actually. I spent 1 month on unemployment. And uh god damn, I, I wish now I want to be a stay-at-home dad. Um anyway, I had a lot of jobs, but I didn't keep any of them for very long. <laughs> I will I want to talk about the one that you maybe don't have anymore. It seems I do also. Not. Oh, good. Good for you. Uh so anyway, I was looking at the data, and I think like what you said, people would be like, well, what's the magic? Why is six feet so magic? And it's like, well, of course it's not. 
that six feet is magic. It's that it's like the speed limit, right? Like yeah. it's not like after seventy miles an hour your car's gonna blow up. It's that at seventy one miles an hour, there's a certain amount more potential for death, right? Mm-hmm. And we are offsetting our ability to function as a society with our like uh lethality. Is that how you pronounce that? It's with like how many deaths we are going to have if you we allow to say mortality? Pe- uh, I think that about lethality, some version of that. Let's look it up. Let's look it up, Travis. Lethality. Yeah, that's a word. The, the capacity to cause death or serious harm or damage. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about that. Um anyway, like that's the 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 that's the decision they're making, right? They like, and recently, as we learn more, that's the other thing is that the these people act like we're not allowed to learn more. So mm-hmm. we go, oh, it's actually three feet is pretty similar to six feet, so three feet's fine. Well, that doesn't mean they were the, there's some mass conspiracy to keep people six feet apart. It means that we were like starting at an abundance of caution, not and moving in, not the other way around, right? Yeah, no, nuance has never been uh, a strong uh, suit of America. <laughs> we're not. We're not a nuanced people. Um, we're very aggressive. We can handle situations <laughs> with aggression. Uh, we cannot handle cons- situations with consideration. And that's what really screwed us with the pandemic is, you know, with 9-11, I remember for like 10 years after 9-11, everybody, like every idiot friend I had was like, I'll fight Osama bin Laden right now. And, you know, forget that Osama bin Laden's a six foot five domestic terrorist who would dunk on you and then gut you. Uh, you know, just every time you send me over there and, uh, yeah. and, and, and then just the switch to, you know, what, 2,600 people died in nine eleven, and we were at like, what, 600,000 people died of the pandemic. And the difference is, uh, 9-11, not that we had a solution to that. I mean, we, we, everyone just got aggressive, just, oh, we're, we're mad. We're angry. We got to put someone in a chokehold. And then, you know, mm-hmm. with the pandemic, it just takes consideration, just, you know, do things to help the spread for other people and yourself, but it's the other people. Like in America, as soon as you start talking about helping other people, everyone is going to throw their hands up and be like, "Well, hold on a goddamn second. Like, we, I I we hate think, each other." Let me let me just say this. Uh, it's because I just want to represent my actual opinion on this without just agreeing blindly. Ooh, careful, Casey. Somebody might unfollow you. I know. Uh, I don't think that America – I think to make this like an American thing is a little bit unfair to America because – Oh, for sure. I just – Almost no country did well with this, and the ones that did are either like mask-wearing cultures in uh, East Asia, which awesome for them, or island nations, right? Like people are like, well, why couldn't we have done what New Zealand did? And it's because, well, New Zealand shut their borders completely. Uh, they're a fucking – like – an island that has very, a very homogenous population and they're a much smaller population. It's less people. Like we have basically several countries. It's like, why didn't Europe, we should be comparing the United States to the European union, the entire European union, basically not even a single European country is a true, um, and is truly analogous to the United States in my opinion. Okay. And now let me push back on your opinion a little bit. Okay. Because- I want to. Uh, okay. Not that I feel super strongly about this, but I do. I do think that uh, I, I do think you have a point that other countries did poorly as well. I just think that uh, the United States is like the richest country in the world should have had some you know idea of what to do, and Trump did totally get rid of our 
um, pandemic response team that we did have. And I, you know, it sounds like bullshit, but I remember reading because I would just scroll through like, you know, doom scroll or whatever. And I would just scroll through mm-hmm. the top news stories to find out what crazy shit had happened the last 24 hours like we used to do, you know. And I remember seeing a headline that was like, you know, Trump disbands pandemic response team. And in my head, I thought, huh, wow, I really hope we don't have a pandemic. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's what happened. So on, on the one hand, it's like, yeah, everybody struggled. But on the other hand, like we, we shouldn't have struggled the way we did. And a lot of the struggle and the deaths are because um, I think a lot of people either didn't take it seriously didn't believe in it or uh, were affected by the misinformation around the entire subject. So yeah, I think I think, I think it's could have done a better to, job. Is I think this is like the tough spot with nuance, right? Because we go like, yes, I absolutely agree. I think there's a body count on the misinformation from Trump. There's a body count. If that dude would have just promoted masks, I think I think that we'd have you know. If he just would have worn one, sure. Exactly. When he, I, I bet you, when he wore one, he saved ten thousand lives, uh, at least. And that was so late. Like, I, I, I think there was, yeah, a ton of misinformation, um, intentional from him, unintentional from this unfortunate state we live in, with uh, the internet being this kind of fertile ground for for uh, interference from other countries giving us misinformation. I will say, like, I mean, the European Union is not a poor part part of the country. They are a pretty wealthy, they are comparably wealthy to the United States. Many of the countries and many of the populations are actually have like a narrower wealth gap. So these, I get what you're saying. The pandemic response team, enormous fuck up. Uh, I, there's no excuse for that, but I like Europe got fucked also. And I think Europe's a better analogy. But you're not going yeah, to get me but to say I also, that. I also think a lot of the countries in Europe that got uh, fucked over was for a very similar reason to why the United States got fucked over. That, was but that was my point. Yeah, that was actually yeah. my point, though, is that it wasn't. It's not just a, an America thing. It's a. It's like what it, I even wonder sometimes. Like, what if this happened in 2018 instead of 2020, a non-election year? How many deaths would that have? Because so much of it became part of the election rhetoric, right? Yeah. And I, you know, like there's there's a there's yeah, a whole bunch of shit that makes it first off like yeah, it's I mean there's hundreds of thousands of deaths probably are attributable to misinformation and bad politics. And in the United States, in Italy, in the UK, in Belgium, in all these other countries that have also yeah, been dude, ravaged. But UK and Italy are like as bad or worse than the United States, I feel like, when it comes to political representation, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe that. And I, I think that's like uh the I I actually posted this last uh one of my one of my famous middle of the road uh annoying <laughs> tweets was uh Yeah, yeah, one of your one of your famous I'm gonna poke both sides and take a yes. step back. Yeah. <laughs> it was Thinking of America as the best at everything or the worst at everything are both examples of American exceptionalism. And I really do believe that. I do stand by that because very often we're like, oh, America's the worst. And then you're like, well, no, there's like six European Union countries or something like that if, that have a higher per capita death rate. Um, 
Yeah, but that's one of those annoying things. Like, like the reason that would bother me is because you're like, America's the best or it's the worst. And it's like, well, what about what we're best and worst at? Like, I can be upset with the United States for its record on race relations uh, and, and think that, you know, obviously it's not the worst. Like, obviously there's uh, countries all over the world, but the whole thing we were taught growing up is, you know, like you said, American exceptionalism, like we are supposed mm-hmm. to be. So we have this idea that we have to live up to the standard. And I think to a degree, that's why a lot of, especially like older people, uh, not like older, older, but, you know, older generations than ours uh, that, that, that a little uh, came a little later to uh, a lot of like the Internet and everything. I think that's why they get so defensive about whenever like my mom told me to love it or leave it recently. <laughs> not wow. in those words, not in those words. But we were we were talking about politics and my mom's a lot more conservative than I am. And her her solution to me being upset about certain things going on was, uh, well, you could always, you know, move to a different country. <laughs> and I just it's like, is that is that the only solution you have? You're so defensive about the fact that your country needs to change or things need to get better, that your only solution is for anyone who's not having a good time to get out. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh and I think that was like a pretty mainstream opinion, you know, 50 years ago or whatever. And mm-hmm. now I think also like who would have us like right now? It's not that easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the other funny thing is I told her I was like my mom, my mom's boyfriend lives in Canada, by the way, and she hasn't been able to see him like all of pandemic. So I was like, you know, better than anyone else. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> I actually I finally I've never like um, I've never felt seriously about I, I think it's kind of childish sometimes when people are like. Well, if if uh, who you know if Bush gets elected again, I'm moving to Canada or whatever. I did research the visa process for Canada this election because not just because uh, because like I mean, first off, two fucking horrific candidates. Like we, mm-hmm. the fact no, that no, no, these we're, are we're in agreement there. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a fucking hellscape. This political uh, this whole. 100% of our political system looks horrific right now. But uh oh, god. But uh the other the, but I, mean, I, 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 don't mean, also, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do want to say that Chase and I uh, have been watching Veep and um it's it's so funny, but it also is like god, this is 100% how it is, isn't it? Yeah. I don't <laughs> think just... I could watch again. I loved this show called uh, Last Man on Earth. Did you ever which is not the Tim Allen show. It's a Will Forte no, show. No, no, no. I know that one. Uh, I watched it. My brother loved that show. We watched it a couple times together. I absolutely loved it. I don't think I could watch it now because it's like you're you're like, oh, fuck. Like, obviously, we didn't get quite that bad, but there's like literally a virus that's killing everybody and or that killed everybody. Like, it's uh, – dude, I don't think I – there's so much of – like, it, I thought it was hilarious then. I don't think I would find it as funny now. Veep, I, tr- I don't know if I could uh, – like not anything political, like idiocracy. By the way, like I don't think I could do that either. Like that's that's. Uh, I was so annoyed when people were comparing U.S. politics to idiocracy, and now I'm like, God damn it, it's too accurate. Like uh, there was the window. I never got the window to enjoy the movie again. You know. Yeah, that that is true. I've been meaning to go back and watch that movie. That one in Office Space are the two that I. Uh, I'm like, I need to give those like you know every couple of years you you're, you get you got to renew uh your subscription and all these old movies you love right and just see how you feel about them now so i can't yeah uh yeah so i need to go back and see what it looks like now 
Did you know I wrote a King of the Hill spec script? In a, I did. In a... I was very proud of you for that. I thought that was really Thank cool. You. Thank you. Yeah, it didn't uh, obviously didn't go anywhere, but that's a Mike Judge uh, joint also. So you had a day job though for, um, and I, I I got a hard out of three, just so you know. Um, okay. And and uh, we're in professional show business terms. So I, I uh, you had a day job. Is that when was the last time you had a day job? Because when I met you, I think you were working like part time at a distillery. Yeah, yeah. I worked part time at a distillery for like four years, but by part time, I mean like I would go in, I would work one shift a week. I would work like Monday, you know, Monday night or something like just that. Just enough to get the employee discount. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no employee discount. I got that that shit for free. So I worked there, and that's horrible because that's going to play into the, the next job. My last full-time <laughs> job was when I was 24, um, oh, well. and I've had a bunch of different part-time jobs. Uh, but for, because of the pandemic, um, I didn't want to just like hemorrhage money while I sat at home. So I got a job in August working uh, at a at a cannabis extraction plant. And I did sign an NDA, but there's still stuff I can talk about. Um so uh, basically what I was doing is, you know, like the vape cartridges uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like we made different kinds of like concentrates. So distillate concentrate, um, CO2 oil and uh, BHO oil, which is just butane extracted um, cannabis oil. So, yeah, I got free samples there, too. Uh, so if there's anything you're taking away from this, I will work for you if I can... Um, Get inebriated on the. I slide. will get high on your supply. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I love the idea of you like walking up to a like a fermenting whiskey barrel and just taking like a like an empty milk jug and just pulling the nail out and filling it with. <laughs> oh man, you think uh, you think I'm kidding? You could uh, you could pop open the barrels and we had like this little glass thing and basically put it in, put your thumb on, uh, over it to create suction. And you could just pull fresh like barreled whiskey out. And I am so ruined from drinking that because, uh, first of all, I'm very opinionated about whiskey. And mm -hmm. second of all, uh, I can't drink whiskey with ice in it. It has to be neat. Um, and the stronger, the better to me. Like barrel strength, 125 proof, that stuff tastes the best. Mm -hmm. I uh, I have the same experience with sour beer. I, I had this crazy... Engine house number. I'm actually wearing their shirt right now. Funny enough, uh, E9 in Tacoma is they've won. The you best. can just say they're sponsoring the show, Casey. You I wish, dude. This. I wish if they would sponsor the show, I would Smoking save a lot of money. Advertising. <laughs> I would save a lot of money. Uh, when they first started making sour beer and they first started barrel aging beer, I was I had this brief blog called SeattleBeer.net, and uh, we went to their barrel house and they let us try. A Woodenville whiskey aged. Uh, there was all the same beer. It was a Belgian dark ale, a Woodenville whiskey barrel, Cabernet Sauvignon barrel, and a Syrah barrel. In a, from a, some, I think it was uh, Chateau Saint Michel was the winery. And I tried them all, and they were all very good, very different from each other. They aged for a year, and then a year later there was a beer festival, and they had them all again there. So I got to take taste them, like I said, like pull the nail out try them straight off the tit to a year later, you know, aged and changed a ton. And that has like completely, I've become such a snob with beer like that because mm -hmm. of the early experience that I had. You can drink beer uh, neat or 
by holding a straw above your head and pouring it into your mouth. I think those are the <laughs> options for you. <laughs> Not beer, I have whiskey. Whiskey, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh yeah. I'm I'm not like too snooty. In fact, I I do like cheap whiskey. It's mm-hmm. just that like there's there is a lot of good cheap whiskey because a lot of the big brands will only put so much into their bottles cuz they don't want to like, you know, devalue it or whatever and then they'll just right. sell a bunch wholesale. So Trader Joe's brand bourbon a lot of times is pretty good and it's pretty cheap cuz you know it's not name brand but you can get But uh, it probably is a name brand that you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's straight up probably <laughs> like um Buffalo Trace that distillery makes uh bullet i think and they make like yeah. a, a couple of distilleries make most of the whiskey for the whole country so yeah i think there's like a um, warehouse in indiana that's responsible for 70 percent of the whiskey in the united states or something yeah like which that. is why it's so cool that washington has so many privately owned distilleries is because it's you know you can have a really different tasting whiskey versus you know the market's kind of saturated with a lot of stuff that's basically the same yeah i did have uh i went to a distillery in seattle and they were like oh here here's our whiskey um and then here's our vodka and our gin we're much more proud of those and i was like why are you more proud of them well they're like well we actually made those because the whiskey you got you know you need uh several years to age whiskey and so it was literally just like some private label whiskey that they bought bottled as their own and were presenting as their own whiskey it was bullshit it was garbage whiskey yeah there's a lot of that it's really depressing the further you get into it but like absolute vodka uh had a distillery not a distillery but they had a storefront in seattle and it was called like our vodka or something like that to make it sound mm-hmm. local and it was just absolute vodka put into different bottles right. um same with like uh yeah i don't know there's a lot of that there's there's uh actually that's a funny story one of the um production managers that got hired at the weed shop I, or the weed lab i worked in um he worked for a distillery. He worked for a distillery I have no respect for, and I used to make fun of when I had to give like production tours of the distillery because mm-hmm. um, they, you know, they didn't even make their whiskey. They just made the clear spirits. And whiskey is the reason why most people don't make it is because it's really expensive because you have to make it and then you have to just put it in the barrel and sit on it. Um, so people won't do that. And this uh, this guy came from a distillery that made this like rut got r- rot gut <laughs> rut got rot gut whiskey. <laughs> And uh, I had no respect for it, and he came in, and he told them he was, like, a production manager, and I smelled on him, like, day one. I turned to my coworker, and I was like, I don't like this dude. <laughs> he's, he's not sincere. And, you know, he he would he didn't know anything about weed, so he kept trying to talk about distilling, but then I was just the only one who knew he didn't know anything about distilling either because oh, he no. would just use the wrong words and stuff. And I'm like, hold on. You have no idea what you're talking about, but... uh yeah, he just worked there for a while and then eventually just left. Um, but he, I think he was going to get fired because he had no idea how to do anything. And we found out he was actually like the safety manager at that distillery. He wasn't even an operations oh, guy wow. anyway. But How did yeah, you leave? The, because you can't leave. You're not leaving on a failed drug test, obviously. <laughs> no, uh, I just walked out, man. I just left. Whoa, that's like the dream, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I I do that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I just, <laughs> That's uh, something I have done in the past and will probably, uh, I mean, hopefully I don't have to get another job, but if I do, I'm probably going to walk out in the future. Um, you know, uh, future employers don't watch this, but uh, <laughs> I mean, nothing feels better than just, you know, <laughs> all right, see everybody. <laughs> just, you know, walk away, never come back. It's the greatest yeah, feeling is, in the world. That is everyone's dream. Did you, was your job like 
using your degree at all, or were you just like a like on the assembly line? Uh, it was using my degree. So um, I actually, that's one of the reasons I left is because I wound up kind of like doing everything. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way, the way they make the, the wheat concentrates is they take the, they take the flour and essentially put it through like a centrifuge with some ethanol. Uh, this is how to make the distillate anyway. So the THC, you know, and some other stuff will get absorbed into the ethanol. And then you basically just concentrate that down and then you distill it. So it's still distilling. Right. I, um, you know, I'm just always distilling and then I would distill it into like purified oil or whatever. Um, and then, you know, I would, I would, uh, you know, add, uh, terpenes to it to like flavor it or give it different properties and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I, I, I pretty much, you know, as a weed scientist for nine months. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, I get, so the other part of that is, did it ruin weed for you at all to be, around it that much uh no um i mean what really happened was i started smoking a lot of better weed because i just mm. had more access to it and i got discounts with um my you know being employed there so uh i did i did get a little bit pickier with weed but you know what's funny is um it's not even like weed from a, a shop it's just uh you know just a friend of mine grows grows it and just grows the best weed i've ever had so i really fell into that after i'd quit the job and it was one of those oh, things funny. where i because i don't really like vaping i don't like the the vape cartridges or whatever right um i do like edibles but edibles are pretty easy to come by so um yeah you know it uh it, it wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal and then i just ran into some really good weed after i left so not really any worries there so you have like this dream job for a guy that smokes a lot of weed and just fucking yeah. walk out yeah, bro. Because wow. he, here's the thing: uh, stand up for me, man. I always yeah, know. <laughs> it's just I, I've had so many jobs that so many people would love to have those jobs, and I'm just such a piece of shit because I'm just like, thank you guys <laughs> for everything, but uh, I'm a, I'm a huge asshole, and I only care about myself. So I'm gonna go, you know, do stand up. 